Thank you for joining us here at South Carolina Politics Podcast. This episode, we have Lauren Martell, who's running to be the next Attorney General of South Carolina. We have a phone interview with not the greatest of connection, but I think you'll find what she has to say very informative. Good afternoon. My name is Lauren Martell, and I'm running to be the next Attorney General of the great state of South Carolina. I am adequately qualified because I have already been doing the job that the Attorney General is supposed to do for the last few years. I have taken on cases where people's uh, constitutional rights have been violated, their religious freedoms have been violated, their um, right to privacy has been violated. There are numerous cases where I realized after I took the cases on that we were living in a situation where due process of law was at great risk. That's why I decided to run for the attorney general's office. I had a case that was very, very powerful. It was a life and death case dealing with COVID protocols and how the hospital administration was unilaterally uh, financially incentivizing one protocol while suppressing a life-saving protocol. I did get information and evidence from whistleblower doctors and pharmacists that in fact that was happening in some of the South Carolina hospitals, as well as some of the doctor's licenses were being uh, basically threatened if they went ahead and deviated from the unilateral COVID protocol that was adopted through the hospital administration. In two of my cases, one where we filed a lawsuit, a gentleman survived coming off of a ventilator for 27 days because we had a heroic doctor who was also able to go in and prescribe a different protocol. And he went in every day until the gentleman came off the ventilator and continued to prescribe the um, FLCCA protocol for this gentleman. And not only did he come off the ventilator, but he's alive today. And I truly believe that it's because of the heroic doctor and our lawsuit that went in and got him a different protocol and obviously his very, very strong praying family that weren't willing to accept that they were going to give up on life. And as the next attorney general, I believe that life matters from conception until natural death. And it was a bit horrifying to me to see the last two years, how many people were passing away in these hospitals with this unilateral protocol. And I believe that as the next attorney general, what I will do is investigate into any monopolies that are going on or any sort of manipulation of the markets where they did in fact financially incentivize a protocol that was about an 85% uh, failure rate. It didn't, it, that means 85% of the people who were on that protocol did not make it and did not live. So that was a main real wake up call when you were dealing with life and death situations and where the normal choice for people uh, would be the way South Carolina, free South Carolina would operate, we were seeing that it was absolutely not happening. Um, another case, we had a gentleman who was able to get out of the hospital also and lived, also got those protocols. So it, we became almost in those situations, my law practice looked at trying to get people out of the hospitals. In many cases, it was almost like a hostage situation. They were completely isolated and alienated from their family members. And the family members were, in many cases, treated poorly. Now, I'm not saying that all nurses or doctors are bad in this situation, but I am saying that when they adopted a unilateral protocol, it restricted the doctor's ability to actually practice and prescribe other things that, over time, through my observation and experience, worked very well. 
And so thank God for those heroic doctors that stood up and did prescribe other treatments. Many people are alive because of them. And I will say that I also have represented um, plaintiffs that worked at the Savannah Riverside high-level clearances, and they did not want to have the, the shot. Um, they were told that if they didn't get it in a certain period of time, they would lose their jobs. All of them have young families. And honestly, they should not have been feeling coerced at all in these situations. They all submitted religious exemptions and two medical exemptions, and those were all blanket denied. This is unacceptable in our great state of South Carolina. People should always have exemptions and exceptions. Um, this isn't a one-size-fits-all, and especially with a very experimental shot that did not actually stop COVID in many cases. I mean, there are many people that I'm understanding from our doctors in the hospitals that are coming in and, and reporting that they have COVID and they've been vaccinated fully, um, boosters and, and everything, and still get COVID. And often it affects them worse. So we should never be in a position where we're mandating anything, a foreign substance into anyone's body in our great state of South Carolina. Under my um, next attorney general, as the next attorney general, I will make sure that we are not mandated in those kind of situations and that people's religious liberties are protected. Another situation is where I've represented parents against the overreaching of school boards. A father was given a no trespass order from the school board, which is completely illegal and unconstitutional. And I've seen a real change in the ability for parents to get in and find out what kind of curriculum is going on in the schools, as well as dealing with obscenity, very much hardcore pornography in our schools right now, targeted to elementary and middle school age children. And the attorney general, current attorney general, is doing a stand down situation where he is not in real time using the good laws that are on our books. He's coming up with some sort of bizarre bait and switch that says that if the parents elect him, he will create a new parents bill of rights and he will amend the South Carolina constitution, which is absolutely um, ludicrous and unnecessary at this time. What should happen is the attorney general should be making sure that the laws of South Carolina are enforced and 1615305 dealing with obscenity is a clear choice to use to try to protect these children in real time from this vile obscenity that's on the approved reading list. And it, and the counterculture trying to come across as this is just a book banning situation when it's actually illegal to disseminate um, obscenity and the kind of things that are contained in these particularly six books that we've identified. And they should not be um, any, not one more day um, available to our middle school children are under age 18. And many adults don't want to see that. I mean, it, it was to the point where people were reading it out loud and they were cut off, their mics turned off because it was so obscene. So this stuff, are ch who's protecting our children right now? Who's protecting the parents who need free choices and need to work, but may not want to take a shot because it might compromise their health. So another case that um, I have taken on is to protect our heritage in the great state of South Carolina. There has been a real push to change and erase our history. And whether you want to try to do that or not, there's a legal procedure on how to, how to go about doing that. And the current attorney general has absolutely failed to defend the heritage of South Carolina. Many statues have come down or been destroyed or defaced. 
Um, during the riots of 2020 in Charleston, there was a complete stand down while just property destruction ran rampant. It's unprecedented that there's no law and order in our state and they just let let criminal behavior run amok. And that brings me to the next issue that I believe I will be the better choice to be your next attorney general because human trafficking hasn't gotten any better under this current incumbent. There's really no political will. He's got a millions of dollars of a budget and yet the needle doesn't move any differently in any of these larger uh, communities or port cities. And I have been traveling the state of South Carolina for the last two months, and it's just been a real honor to see our great state, but it's also been a bit sad, and I can see the devastation to our state. If any of these incumbents are going to try to tell you that that jobs in South Carolina are thriving right now, I suggest and invite you to drive three to four hours away from your house down some of the South Carolina back roads, because right now we have vacant buildings vacant commercial buildings, uh, dilapidated motel hotels. And these places are just perfect fodder and cover for drug dens, for human trafficking, for gangs to stay, and for crime to just continue to breed in almost a petri dish of vacant properties. And that is not a healthy, vibrant South Carolina. So when crime is up, nobody is safe in the state and nobody's um, property values, even though they're out of control right now and people are coming down and buying a property in South Carolina, that doesn't mean that we're going to have a decent free society when you're looking at many of the areas in South Carolina are completely oppressed right now. And so the current attorney general has been very weak on prosecuting crime, both hard crime and white collar crime and political corruption. And so if you don't have a head attorney general who's trying to say, let's get more um, serious about making sure crime is taken care of and prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law, instead of just going in three weeks out of every four years for an election cycle to do a drug bust in Greenville or to act like there's something major going on in human trafficking. There's really not. If anybody looks over these last 12 years, you're going to see that there's a lot of talk with very little action. So these are all very serious problems. I mean, you've got uh, a recidivist rapist who got a light sentence in Orangeburg because of who he knew. This is levels of political corruption that are unsustainable. And the people of South Carolina deserve an attorney general who is going to be protecting the rule of law, the South Carolina Constitution, and the people of South Carolina. And I submit to you, while I was already fighting for these rights of the people of South Carolina, in 2020, the incumbent attorney general was making a deal with the Department of Energy with the Savannah River site for the leasing of the nuclear waste there in that area. He made a deal for $600 million and he contracted with his private old law firm, the old law firm he worked for, Willoughby and Hafer. He made a contract with them and instead of just having to be an hourly rate, He had it be a windfall of a contingency where they got $75 million off the top. And before the money could be frozen and before it went in the general fund, they cut the check to that law firm right out of the top. This is a huge problem because now Alan Wilson, our incumbent attorney general, is a defendant in a lawsuit that claims that that's not the only case where he has contingency fees 
and contracted with private law firms to get his pet law firms obscenely wealthy. But that there's six more. And the opioid crisis settlement is another one that's coming down the pike, 300 million set for South Carolina. That's a transactional deal. And he's got no business doing a, a contingency fee on that one. Um, and the money needs to go to the problem that we have. Because that's kind of hush money right now. If you just move money around like that, that comes in on a settlement and get people, certain people ungodly wealthy, and then don't deal with the problem of the opioids and the heroin and the fentanyl that's coming in and taking the lives of people. And it doesn't matter whether they're, uh, what, what level uh, on the living spectrum, as far as what kind of you know, job they have, this kind of stuff is taking people down from the most wealthy to the people who are having trouble and, you know, are on the streets or homeless. This is catching everybody, this fentanyl and heroin problem in our state, and it should never happen. So we need to be strong on criminal reform. We need to be strong on really targeting where the human trafficking issues are. We need to be strong on prosecuting and breaking up monopolies and looking into scams and price gouging and other areas where people are being taken advantage of the taxpayers. And I believe that it's time that Alan Wilson be retired. And the best way to do that, the best way, you know, so many people in South Carolina are saying we need term limits. We need term limits. Well, the best way to term limit all of these incumbents who have been in there as career politicians forever. Um, and in this case for 12 years, and he wants another four more to be 18 years setting himself up as a career politician to try to be governor, just following in Henry McMaster's footsteps. This is unacceptable. These offices are not about personalities. They're not about family legacies. They're about electing people who represent the general public of South Carolina and will do the job. So I submit to you that to your first question, I'm qualified to do the job. I'm willing to do the job. I'm excited for the people of South Carolina, because we do live in a representative republic, and that acknowledges that people have certain inalienable rights, and government does not give you those rights. So my platform has always been to encourage people to take a stand for their own rights. Don't expect government to protect you know, your rights when it's your job to stand up for those, and you must gain strength in doing that. In every single speech that I go across the great state of South Carolina and give, I always reference Ephesians 6.10. And Ephesians 6.10 is about the armor of God. And it talks about that we wrestle in the principalities and not in the flesh. And so we need to win that victory and then walk it out here and, and take back the false narrative. Attorneys love circular logic. And I've seen Alan Wilson use this as well. Circular logic is when you start with a fallacy. And no matter how academic or brilliant your arguments may be in between, you're always going to end up with a false outcome. South Carolina needs to start speaking from a true narrative. There are certain things that government doesn't have the right to interfere with or overreach into. And if we don't start talking about that now, it's not going to be any easier in a few months or a year. We're looking at the federal overreach trying to sell our sovereignty to foreign entities and the WHO and these kind of things. And we're looking at it, and I watched it happen during these last few years of the COVID. Um, I call it the COVID tyranny. But that same thing can happen here, too. And it comes in, and it makes it easy for the 
incumbent career politicians to play the coconut shell game. And they just pass off who's responsible for what. <coughs> and they say it's home rule or it's the state or that's the governor or that's, and the attorney general really has the most power in real time. It's been an under scrutinized office. And it's time that all South Carolinians research exactly what the attorney general should be doing and what he has been doing and why you need a new attorney general. Alan Wilson joined a global think tank and is a member of the Aspen Institute and Liberty Fellow, which is heavily um, populated here in South Carolina in people of leadership positions. And perhaps it started out as a sort of great think tank kind of thing. But I submit to you that at this point now, it is funded by George Soros and Bill Gates, and it runs politicians like Alan Wilson and Stacey Abrams and James Clyburn. It runs the politicians on both sides. You need to do your own research and find out why a state attorney general would have had to become a member while he was an acting state attorney general of a global think tank where the membership has mentors and mentees, and it has often political agendas that conflict with the South Carolina Constitution. Another example of the, the corruption that this allowed was Mako Medical, which was a startup corporation in North Carolina in 2019, pre-COVID, Alan Wilson wrote a letter on behalf of Mako Medical saying what a great company it was. This company did all of the testing for COVID, and they were later investigated for Medicaid and insurance fraud and for false positives of the testing. Because of Alan Wilson, or at least certainly his letter helped, this, um, this company got all the South Carolina Department uh, of Environmental Control contracts, which is a multi-million dollar contract, and also got this COVID testing in the schools, which means imagine if people got false positives and had to stay out of school or had to stay out of work. Think about the assault on the South Carolina people, not to mention that these COVID tests contain um, an ingredient for the sterilization that is a known carcinogenic element. And all of the people who are forced to take these tests on a weekly basis, just to not have to take a shot or these children that really, you know, have colds or have whatever, but then they were forced to be masked up and forced to take the, these tests. This is an absolute assault on our people, and I will not stand for that. So that's why you need to vote Martel for AG. Um, that's June 14th. I suggest if you can, vote on the day of, of the election. But if you're going to be out of town, make sure that you take the responsible um, adequate, uh, steps to make sure that you've got a, a vote in that is a vote that's going to count. And we need to encourage all of our friends and family to go out and vote during this time, and preferably on June 14th. And this is critical. We are watching through the Leviathan of the administrative state, our due process of rights and our laws that are the good laws on our books being subverted to global policies and to um, political agendas. And when you have an attorney general or a slate of, of candidates that are statewide held offices, constitutional offices that are failing to do their job according to the oath of office for the constitution, you need to just vote them all out. They're fired. And that's what needs to happen June 14th.
Awesome. Awesome. Thank you very much for that. Let me uh, let me give you one last chance to uh, tell people how they can get in touch with you, find out more about you. Uh, what's your website? The website is M-A-R-T-E-L-F-O-R-A-G.com. That's Martel4AG.com. I am running an absolute grassroots campaign, so we could sure use donations right now to carry us forward into the next two weeks. Uh, I would appreciate any donation at this point and very grateful for it. I will be traveling the state. If you sign up on the website, you can get emails as to where I will be, and maybe we can shake hands and meet in person. Also, you can also share the website with your friends and your social media. We need to look at this like we are absolutely networking with all of our friends, family, and spheres of influence for our freedom. Our very freedom is on the line. And I just ask each person to dig deep, to do whatever you can for my campaign. And if you feel like you want to, there's flyers on the website. You can print some of those off um, and we can get you some campaign materials that are left. We have a few signs left, but we need the name recognition. We need the people of South Carolina to say a resounding Lauren Martell will be our next attorney general and we'll get the vote out. So go to martellforag.com and sign up uh, for whatever you can possibly do. I'm grateful. And because I care so much about our people and I care about freedom and liberty and the rule of law, I will do everything that I can to try to connect with as many voters as I can until June 14th. And that's where we have to win it. There is no other opponent. It's just me versus the incumbent. There's no Democrat running. So this is a primary, but it's like the general. This is where we have to beat Alan Wilson right here, right now. Great. Thank you very much for that. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the South Carolina Politics Podcast. I'm your host, Bob Sloan. If you have any questions about what you've heard here today, email me at bob at bobsloan.com. That's B-O-B-S-L-O-N-E dot com. You can find out more about what we do here at Bob Sloan Audio Productions on my website at bobsloan.com. Again, thank you for listening. And make sure you follow, share, and leave a review.